The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Val Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. Today on the show, I'll be chatting with superstar voice actor and one of the hosts of the VoiceOver Meter podcast, Paul Stefano. With more than 20 years' experience, Paul has become an expert at transforming his voice to reflect a wide variety of intonations. Depending on the voiceover project, IVR, imaging, narration, character, nonfiction, dual POV, he can change his tone in a heartbeat. From serious and trustworthy to silly and sarcastic, from warm and wistful to conversational and sincere, Paul can be counted on to deliver the right style for the project at hand. Paul and his colleague Sean Daly just finished up being the official podcast partner at Mini Mavo 2020 this past weekend. I'll be curious to hear about what he thought about the conference, and we'll also ask him about what else he's up to in his voiceover career. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Paul. Thanks for having me. It was a nice surprise when I got that email inviting little old me to the podcast. Of course. Well, since Mini Mevo 2020 was just this past weekend, let's start out by talking about that. How did you feel about the event? Did you enjoy it? What were some of the highlights for you? Oh, it was great. I really loved the way you put things together, the production quality, the caliber of the speakers, really just overall fantastic. And you probably heard during some of the interviews we did as the podcast partner, that theme was pretty much repeated over and over again, that it blew everyone's expectations away. Oh, thanks. It really did turn out better than I anticipated, you know. I don't know actually what I expected. I expected it would turn out well, but then actually going through it was, wow, just all positive feedback. Everybody had such good things to say after, and and I really appreciate you guys being a part of it. It really meant a lot to me, so thank you. Thank you you for having us. We really appreciated the opportunity to expand our network and meet some new people and even talk to some quote-unquote fans, believe it or not. (laughs) That's so great. I'm sure you guys have a lot of fans. That's fantastic. Can you tell us how you got started in the voiceover industry? Sure. I was one of those people that was always told they had a good voice. I'm not trying to brag, but it's just the way it happened. I've had this voice since I was about 15 years old. When I was in a sophomore in high school, my voice started to change and dropped to pretty much where it is now, except for the occasional squeak, like Peter Brady from the Brady Bunch for our listeners that remember that show. (laughs) So I started doing the morning news and announcements, talking about what was for lunch that day and what the score of the field hockey game was. And every couple of minutes, pretty much every day, my voice would squeak. So I would say, field hockey won five to zero yesterday. And I sort of became famous in high school for the cracking voice. (laughs) But after that, my voice pretty much stayed where it is. And all through the rest of high school, all through college, friends, family all told me, boy, you have a great voice. You really need to go into voiceover. Now, as you know, that's not the reason you should go into voiceover from a professional standpoint. All coaches will tell you that. But in my case, it gave me the sort of the bug that I thought it should be something I should at least look into. So I did. I went to college for communications and got a degree in broadcast journalism and thought I was going to be on the radio or television. Now, I'm from Philadelphia, and I went to school in Baltimore, two pretty big media markets. And I like where I live. I still live just outside of Baltimore. So I started to look for jobs in those two cities primarily because I still had a lot of family in Philadelphia and couldn't find any traction just because it is such a hard market to break into. I did get some offers and interviews for places in the Midwest and and the South, but I really didn't want to move. So I stayed here and started looking for work in other fields and basically gave up that dream of getting into media at all. 
And then I was working for the local EasyPass office in Maryland, and just as a customer service rep, and they had to redo their phone system. And they said, Paul's got a great voice. Why don't you do it? So I did. Didn't think anything of it. Didn't get paid for it. And I think if you call into the 800 number for EasyPass Maryland, you'll still hear me telling you to wait patiently while you wait for your customer service representative. (laughs) I did a bunch of other jobs over the next 20 years. I worked in finance. I worked for a couple IT companies. I worked for the Baltimore Orioles in the front office. And then I started working for an online university where they did a ton of e-learning. And one day they were looking for volunteers to do some voiceover for their online content. And they put it out to the whole rest of the office. I worked in the academic offices. And I said, ooh, that sounds fun. I want to go do that. So I did a character in this one e-learning module. I think it was a community center trying to set up a a new thing for at-risk youth. I don't know, some sort of sociology class that we had at the university. And I did a voice there. And I was in a booth very much like the one I'm in now. And I started asking the production staff, hey, how do you guys set up this stuff? Is this something maybe I could set up? And they helped me a little bit. And then I started to do a ton of research and found out you can do it from home, as you know, Val. So I set up a studio five years ago now, started to do some work part-time, hoping to eventually ramp up to being a full-time voice actor. And then last year, I quit the job with the university and have been a full-time voice actor ever since. Wow. That's such a great story, Paul. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I knew all of that. I knew part of it, but that's so great. I'm really glad that you've been able to switch to full time and that you're doing so well. You've really come a long way. That's fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. What was your inspiration for starting the VoiceOver Meter podcast? Well, in doing some of that research that I mentioned, once I got the bug after my 20-year hiatus, I started to get a lot of help from people in the industry. And as you probably know, the voiceover community is amazing. People are always willing to help and give out information. And I started by watching a lot of podcasts and web shows. The most important to me, at least at the time, were VoiceOver Body Shop with George and Dan, George Whittem and Dan Leonard, and the VoiceOver Cafe, which is a podcast that's no longer in existence, but it was done by Terry Daniel, Trish Bassani, Peter Bishop, Matt Calrick, Jordan Reynolds, and Sean Caldwell down in Florida. So that was really influential on me, learning a lot about the industry without really having to pay anything out of pocket. It was just free information that they were offering out of the kindness of their hearts, a little bit of marketing probably too for themselves, but the information is really just out there. George and Dan are still going strong every week on VOBS. And then I found this online bulletin board called the VoiceOver Bulletin Board, or VO-BB if you're searching it in Google. And there was a ton of pros there that really helped me out a lot too and gave me advice on equipment, on coaching, because I did all the wrong things starting out. I created my own demos. I was recording in a terrible space. I was reaching out to agents way too soon. And all the kind folks there sort of reined me in and gave me some great advice. People like Philip Banks, Doug Turkell, again, Peter Bishop was there and helped me out a lot. Melissa Exelberth, Bob Bergen, just all these fantastic pros that were willing to donate their time and advice to a complete newbie. And I really appreciated it. So another person I met there was Sean, Sean Daly. And after a couple of months to a year, I started to realize that I was starting to gain some knowledge and I felt that I could maybe benefit the community in some way, and offer something that I had received in the way of help. So Sean and I decided to start this early on as a way to give back to the community that had been so helpful to us. So at first, I asked actually four or five people if I was going to do a roundtable similar to what I had heard on the VoiceOver Cafe. And basically, everybody turned me down except Sean. (laughs) (laughs) He was the only one crazy enough to say yes. So We launched a podcast with him being in the business for about two years, me for not even a year, 
And we thought that we'd have something to offer if we could chronicle our own journey and show people what it's like to get started in the business and hopefully make some headway. So that's what we did. And the response has been great. We started out slowly with a couple of hundred downloads, but recently we just passed 50,000 downloads. And we're really proud of the progress we've made over the last couple of years. That's so great, Paul. And you guys are both so great at the show. I love listening to it when I have time. And I feel really proud of you guys because I remember having you at, it was Mavo 2018, right? That you guys did the podcast there? The first one? It was actually 2016. 2016. I couldn't remember which one it was. Gosh, they all run together after a little bit. That was kind of the start of it, right? When you guys did the first one there and said, hey, can I do the podcast from here? And, and I said, yes. And then I've seen you guys grow and grow since then. And I'm, I'm really excited for you guys. It's really come a long way and you're doing great. So great job with that. Thanks so much. We spilled the beans at Mavo over the last weekend that we really were kind of on a whim doing that in 2016. You were kind enough to let us in. It was our third episode ever. If you go back and listen to it, it's episode number three. But I've listened to it and it still kind of holds up because probably because of the guests we had on. We were able to interview uh, the, the speakers you had that year, including Sunday, Sean Pratt, Jason White, several others, Nicola Richards. And they were all so professional and helpful that it made us sound good. <laughs> Oh, gosh, that was such a great year. I mean, all of them have been great, but I feel like we've had the last couple of years, especially we've had some really, really great people. It just keeps getting better and better. So that's awesome. Well, what are three goals that you have for yourself in your voiceover career to accomplish over the next few months? Hmm, interesting question. With this whole COVID thing, my focus has changed a bit where I was kind of overwhelmingly busy when it first started and things have changed a bit now. So my goal is to do much more marketing. And I was also kind of buoyed by the couple of the sessions I attended at Mini Mavo, particularly Mark Scott and AJ McKay. I made a demo with AJ a couple of years ago now, it's hard to believe. And I hadn't gotten very much traction with it, a radio imaging demo. So one goal is definitely to push that more. In fact, I've already done it this week. I've been emailing radio stations to try and gain some traction with the imaging demo that AJ made for me. And then some stuff that Mark pointed out in his session about marketing and how to approach companies is really hitting home again, too. So I'm going to do a lot more marketing. I'd like to grow my non-e-learning business a little bit. So what I've done mostly over the last couple of years is e-learning and audiobooks. I'd like to grow my commercial business, so I'm going to work on that too. And I'd like to keep growing the podcast. We're always looking for new guests and new ways to gain traction with the VO meter. Those are all really great goals, and they sound really attainable, so that's really good. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? You posed this in the social at Mabel, and (laughs) I hadn't really thought about this before, so I've been thinking about it since. I think I'd like to have invisibility, not for any nefarious reasons, but I just like to listen. And whenever I'm in a conversation or at a networking event, I do most of the work by just listening and taking in information. Works really well when you're marketing to a company, by the way. So I feel like I could even be more effective if I were invisible. Imagine going to a networking party and you could find out everything about the people in the room without them knowing you were there and then suddenly appear and be like, oh, hey, I hear you like um, uh, martinis. Can I get you one? Or, hey, I hear you focus on e-learning. And you could just have fish in a barrel in a networking event if you were invisible for the first hour. (laughs) Yeah, that would be amazing, actually. I would love doing that. In our industry especially, I feel like that would be great. Yeah, so it's a little nefarious, I guess, but with good intentions. Right. (laughs) What's your favorite travel destination when we're allowed to travel? Oh, Hawaii. 
My wife and I were talking about this this morning. We spent our honeymoon in Hawaii. I saw this morning that it's one of the safest states for COVID-19 cases. So I'd love to go back there <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah. Because it's just beautiful. I've never been Have you been ever been to Hawaii? Hawaii? No, I haven't you have not? been. Highly yeah. recommend it. And also, if you if you do get the chance, I recommend going to as many of the islands as possible, too. We made it to three. I would have liked to have gone to more, but they're vastly different. I could not believe the difference between, say, Maui, which is on the coast, is more of a an arid, dry climate, and then Kauai, which is where they filmed a lot of the Jurassic Park footage, is just lush with greenery everywhere. So... They're all different, and they're all great. Cool. I'll definitely have to get there someday, I hope. Well, hopefully after all this is over. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of COVID-19, not that I want to, but has the COVID-19 pandemic affected your voiceover career at all? It's strange. Initially, it was really a boon for my business, actually, because, as you probably know, the people that were set up with Quality Home Studios were just at a premium when the pandemic first started. And I was on social media and in different groups seeing really good actors just struggling to even figure out how to get a USB mic plugged in and get a good sound. And I've had this booth for four years. So right out of the gate, I was ready to go. And nothing had changed in my business at all. So early on, I actually did some PSAs for the the COVID crisis where the state of Maryland had asked me to do their public service announcements on telling people to, to social distance and stay home. I actually got that lead from Zephin, who produced the Mini Mabel conference, he had referred me to the video production company that did those PSAs. I'm so grateful to him for helping me out with that. I've shifted some things a little bit and have focused on different areas of the business that have helped me sort of gear back up. And now it's getting better. And I think overall, businesses are back more to being operational and needing voiceover again. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of months. Yeah, I think it's really been interesting to talk to different people and hear how it's affected their career. And some I've talked to a number of people who have said their workflow has increased. And then I've talked to other people where they've said there was a real slowdown at the beginning. And then, you know, it just depends on each person. And it's been really interesting to hear all the different stories about it. And I know I had to scramble at the beginning to upgrade my whole studio. It was a blessing in disguise because I needed to do it anyway. And I had been procrastinating. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. But once I finally did it, it just opened the door for lots of you know, work that I ended up booking over the summer, which was really great. So that was good. Yeah, I think it's like any other time in business, really. Those who are able to pivot and adapt to the change will survive. And those that are not probably won't, unfortunately. Yeah. If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? And this could be someone that's living or not living anymore. (laughs) Does that have to be somebody famous? No, it doesn't have to be someone famous. Probably my grandfather on my dad's side. He passed away, actually died in in a truck accident when my dad was in his 20s. And that was way before I was even a glint in his eyes. So never got a chance to meet him. And unfortunately, my kids have had the same experience with my father-in-law. He passed away before they were born. So they've never had a chance to meet him. So I think it would be a really cool thing to sit down and talk to him about his experiences because he was a first-generation immigrant from Sicily and spoke broken English and had a completely different experience in my life growing up in middle-class America. So I'd love to talk to him about his experiences and how it affected the family. That would be really cool. I think family would be great if you could bring him back or go back to a time when there were people before you were even born. That's a great... We just need a time machine, that's all. Yeah, that's all. (laughs) And if SpongeBob is any indication, it doesn't take much. What was that, a photo booth and some nachos? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Who would you like to still interview for your voiceover meter podcast that you haven't had the chance to interview yet? We've been so lucky and so blessed to have just absolute titans of the industry on already. So it's hard to say. Maybe some Hollywood celebrities that do voiceover too? 
maybe Ryan Reynolds or John Hamm or Cedric the Entertainer. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the ones, Sasha Baron Cohen, some of the ones that do the cartoons that my kids love so much because I don't usually have access to those A-list celebrities. So maybe somebody like that. I would like to interview some more Hollywood actors that, like you said, do the crossover from maybe on screen to voiceover as well. I think that would be a really interesting interview to find out the difference between the two parts of the industry and how they adapt to going from on screen to voiceover. That would be cool. Especially recently, because there have been a lot who have been doing more voiceover because of the pandemic. I've seen a couple of Honda ads recently that are John Cena, which I don't think he was doing much voiceover before. I actually did do Ferdinand the Bull, but he's definitely doing more. And I saw this video of Brian Cranston doing a role with an Apogee mic (laughs) in like an open room. So I think more people are getting into it. I'd be really interested to hear how some of those productions went when people weren't allowed in studios for film and TV. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? Any big plans for 2021 in your voiceover career or otherwise? No, you know, I kind of consider myself a yeoman of the industry. I haven't done a lot of flashy projects, but I think that's a good thing because most of what I do is under the radar and is probably going to still be available. So I'm going to just keep my nose to the grindstone, keep plugging away, and hope that to the prepared come the spoils. Or what's the, what's the, uh, the phrase? Luck goes to the prepared. That's kind of what I'm hoping that is keep plugging along and making headway slowly but surely. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Paul. It's always a pleasure. And I want to say thank you again for being our official podcast partner for Mini Mavo 2020. It was an honor to have you guys on board. And I wish you tons of continued success in your voiceover career and everything you do. Thanks for having me, Val. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Val. Paul and I have so much fun working together on the podcast. He does all the work and I just show up. We got a nice odd couple dynamic going. So, voiceovers, be sure to tune in next week for another fun episode of Live with Squacky. Live with Squacky is mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Yokelson of Antland Productions. Live with Squacky was recorded in front of an audience of acoustic foam. <laughs> <laughs> 